open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't own a Bible, there is a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can grab that Bible. If you don't own it, you can keep it. That is our gift to you. If you take that Bible, you can open up to page 1015. We're just going to be in two verses today. Verses 9 and 10. Right, First Peter chapter 2. If you don't know where First Peter is at, open up the table of contents of your Bible. I do that often and frequently because I forget where it's at. And you can turn to First Peter. If, the, if you're in the pew back Bible, you can turn to page 10, 15, verses 9 and 10 in chapter 2. This is Peter talking to Christians that have been scattered through the known world, particularly in Asia Minor. This is modern-day Turkey. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you'd like to underline your Bible, I would underline that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you've been with us the last several weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Transforming Presence. And essentially, we're, we're ending that today with uh, talking about evangelism or talking about sharing the gospel. And if you remember, the last several weeks, we've been focusing our attention on habits um, that we see in the Bible that the Bible calls us to be and do in our world. And if you remember, um, we talked about reading and studying God's word. We talked also about worship and meditation. We talked about discipleship. We talked about generosity. We talked about fasting and forgiveness. And all these practices, right, when we are committed to practicing these disciplines, when we are committed to practicing these habits on a regular basis, every day, week by week, what we're going to notice over time is God change us. Right? When, when you have to practice the discipline of forgiveness, God's going to have to do some work in your heart. Right? When you're studying and reading God's word and you're committed to meditating it day in and day out, thinking about God's word, God's going to do something in your heart. He's going to do something in your mind. He's going to do something in your actions. You're going to see God make you more like Jesus and less like the person you used to be before you came to faith. And then we've also said, right, if you want to see not only spiritual transformation in your life, but you want to see transformation, spiritual transformation in our world, this is how God's going to do it. He's going to start with you. And today we're going to talk about 
evangelism, right? We've done a good, a, we've done a, a good um, portion of our time focusing on practices that help us, but now we draw our attention to practicing a discipline of sharing the gospel to an unbelieving world. And, and this is a difficult topic. Evangelism, sharing the gospel, it should be an easy topic, but I think it's difficult for us. I think when we evaluate the world that we live in and we look at our culture, it's becoming increasingly difficult. Right? Where, to be honest with you, the church, the real church, not the stuff you see on TV or you see online, on social media, the real church. But you're going to notice that it's becoming far more difficult to be here, meaning to be in this world. So how do we respond? What do we do? Well, the Bible's clear. The Bible says, share the gospel. Okay? So when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus? When was the last time you took the opportunity whether with your kids who don't know Jesus, coworker, your neighbor, a friend, a distant relative. When was the last time you told them about Jesus? I think the answer is, if we had to really answer that question, I think many of us, the vast majority of us would say, um, we, we probably haven't. We're all getting together for Christmas. I mean, excuse me, Thanksgiving. I'm already jumping a month ahead. My goodness. We're, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Everyone's cooking a big meal and we're inviting our friends and family, loved ones. And I wonder how many of us have thought, all right, this is an opportunity for us to demonstrate not only our gratitude to the Lord, but to demonstrate to other people why we're, gra- why we're grateful to the Lord, right? Like, I bet you many of us are just like, we're more worried about the food. We're more worried about the decorations, we're more worried about the planning and organizing that we're kind of worried about than we are worried about like the actual demonstration and presentation of the gospel. And this sermon is not to shame you and you have to share the gospel this Thanksgiving. This, in fact, this, this message is to encourage you to do so, to do it all the time though. Why? Because Peter, in his letter to the church, right, is writing to a bunch of Christians who, one, are experiencing cultural decay in their world. They're seeing an increase in paganism, and they're also feeling the weight of persecution. And in his letter to the church, Peter thought it best to tell the church, hey, listen, I know that you're struggling with persecution. I know that you're living in a decaying world. I know that the culture you're living in is probably not ideal and not to your standard. In fact, not to God's standard. So how do you respond to a decaying culture? He says... Find your purpose. Find your purpose. 
That's what we see in this chapter. That's what we see in these first two verses. But the way he shares that with us, the way he shows us our purpose is by first demonstrating to us our identity. Before you and I can go out to an unbelieving world and start telling people about Jesus, we first have to know who we are. We first have to be convinced of who we are. Before you go out to share the gospel, you have to know why you're sharing the gospel. You have to know what you are sharing. And Peter says, Peter says, your purpose when you share the gospel is to proclaim the excellencies of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting what Peter does here. He, he connects our identity with our purpose. If you don't know your identity, you don't know your purpose, right? Have you ever asked yourself, I, I've talked to a couple of people recently, like I don't, particularly people who have retired, um, they've devoted decades um, to a skill, a trade, a work, and now they're retired, they ask the question, what am I supposed to do now, right? High school students, when they graduate high school, say, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know what school to go to. I don't know what to study. College graduates are like, I don't know what am I supposed to do? Like, I got this degree and I don't know if I'm going to use it, right? We're always trying to find purpose and meaning. We're trying to figure out what am I meant to do? What should I be doing? And we're trying to figure it out really well. We're trying to figure out what God put me on this earth to do. And Peter says, you have one purpose. That sounds easy, right? You have one purpose in life, and that purpose is to declare the excellencies of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. So go do it. Sermon done. Go tell people about Jesus now. But before we get into that, I think we need to talk about identity, right? We, I think about the world that we live in. I think about, right, our world does not have an identity. Our world does not know what's right or wrong, right? Have you ever talked to people? I mean, this is, this is what's happening in our culture. They're, they're trying to find purpose and as they're trying to find purpose, they're trying to find their identity. So they're looking for every aspect in this world of what the world can offer to find their identity and find their purpose. This is why people find their identity and purpose in their, in their gender, in their sexuality, in their, in their work, in their productivity, in their family, in their, in their children, right? One of the things that plague women in our culture, especially moms, right? They raise these kids. They find our identity in being a good mom. And then when the kid is off to college, now they're stuck <laughs> with their husband. And they're like, what? What are we doing? What are we... <laughs> You've been here the whole time? <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was just me and the kids. <laughs> right? Right, because... Purpose and identity has been found in the kids. Our lives are shaped 
by the kids, the sports, the education. Dads, husbands, right? Find our identity in their work. They find their purpose in their skills, right? When people are saying, what am I meant to do? They're often running to what? They're running to their skills, their experience, what they're really good at, what they love. But in reality, if you really want to find your purpose and meaning in life, you have to find your identity. And your identity is not found in your skills, education, experience, or position. Your identity is found in Christ. And what does, what does Christ say about your identity? Look at verse 9. What does God say about our identity? He says, for identity markers, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. What Peter's quoting here is quoting passages in the Old Testament. And these titles, these identity markers were reserved for God's people, for the Israelites. And what Peter is saying, hey, listen, you now who have been called out of darkness get to receive the benefits of this calling, which is to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of God's possession. And what is he saying? What he's saying, your identity is not found in this world. Your identity is not found in your skin color. Your identity is not found in your ethnicity. Your identity is not found in your gender. Your identity is not found in your sexuality. Your identity is not found in your position. Your identity is found in your position in Christ. That's why he says you are a chosen race. That means God picked you. He called you. He elected you. He chose you to be part of his people, his family. You are a royal priesthood. What does that mean? You have been called to service. What did the priests do in the Old Testament? They mediated between God and people. And so when Peter's saying you are a royal priesthood, he's saying, wait a minute, you have been called to be part of a fraternity or a sorority of people who have been called to service, to do what? To mediate between God and man. That's our job. Our job is to show people, tell people about how God is awesome, great, powerful, God's redeeming love for these people and what he has done for you. And you're supposed to show that to them. That's what a royal priesthood means. Mediating between God and the world. And he says, you are a holy nation. You are set apart. You are different. You don't do what the world does. You don't talk like the world. You don't act like the world. I saw an Instagram post. I don't know if it was Instagram or TikTok, but I saw it on Instagram. And it was this couple that was saying that we, God called us to open up a Christian nightclub. Because Christians need to have fun. First of all, if you gotta be, if you gotta open up a Christian nightclub, like that's not fun to me. Like being up past nine thirty is not fun. <laughs> like you got me messed up. It, 
right? But why? Because why? We're, we're trying to do what the world is doing. And what the Bible is saying, what? You are a holy nation. You are not like the world. So why do you act like the world? Why do you want to be like the world? I called you out of darkness. Why do you want to talk like the world? You know why? Because you don't know your identity. Your identity is found in this world. So what are you going to do? You're going to talk like them, act like them. And Peter is saying to us, your identity is not found in this world. Your identity is found here. Your identity is not found in what you can offer. It's not found in your position. It's not found in your skills. It's not found in you. Your identity is found in Christ. And the only way you can find identity is if you know him and if he knows you. So he says, you want to find purpose in life? You got to know who you are. That's where you start. Do you know who you are? Can you honestly say that I am part of a chosen race? Am I called out by God? Have I been transformed by the power of the gospel? Am I living out my faith like Jesus would have me to do? Am I living with Jesus? Am I living for Jesus? Am I doing those two things? Am I a holy nation? Am I part of a distinct group of people who look a whole lot different than the world? And if the answer is yes, then Peter says, this is your purpose. And it's interesting in this passage because I struggle with this because I was thinking of a sermon of why, how can I convince you to share the gospel? Like, why is it important to share the gospel? But that's not what Peter's saying here. What Peter is saying, like, why you should share the gospel, Peter is asking, why are you a Christian? And you know what the answer is? You are a Christian so that you will tell other people about who Christ is. That, that's your purpose. God called you out of darkness is so that you can tell people who are still in the dark about who he is. Right, so God made you alive so that you can declare, you can proclaim who God is. That's a radical different um, perspective, right? Because, because what it says is, you are a Christian, therefore you should share the gospel. So the question we have to answer is, why don't we share the gospel? And I'm with you, right? Like I... I struggle, like going to the Yucatan, you have to go door to door, knocking on people's doors, or sometimes they don't even have a door, you just gotta like walk in. And, and you gotta share the gospel. And it's, I mean, like there is this tremendous fear and anxiety that swell up, swells up in my heart because I'm just like, I don't wanna do this. I can't do this. And then when you go with a bunch of high school students who are probably not the most gracious group of people, you have to like show them out because you're like, I get paid to do this, so I gotta do this. And if I don't do it, they're not gonna do it. And there's like this tug of war in my heart that like, what is going on? So, so the question is, why don't we share the gospel? Why, why do we get anxious and fearful? I think there are two things, two reasons why you and I, right, amen, we all are afraid to share the gospel, right? Oh, okay, no problem. I'll be out here by myself with those two people. No big deal. You guys are perfect. You got it figured out, huh? 
all right, so I'll be preaching to myself. Um, I think the two reasons why you and I struggle with sharing the gospel is because we are afraid of rejection and we are afraid, right? We are afraid of failure. Am, am I the only one? Please tell me I'm not the only one because like, because you're like, oh no, you, you, okay, thank you. Yeah, there we go. Right. Okay, good. We're kind of quiet this morning. I think we're all thinking about Turkey. I think those are the two reasons why. The two reasons why we are afraid of rejection. We are afraid of failure. Um, recent research, I was reading a book on spiritual disciplines and in this book, he quotes a researcher and this is what the researcher says about our fear of sharing the gospel. He says, in asking Christians about their witnessing activities, we have found that nine out of 10 individuals who attempt to explain their beliefs and theology to other people come away from those experiences feeling as if they have failed. The reality of human behavior is that most people avoid those activities in which they perceive themselves to be failures. Any psychologists in the room? As creatures seeking pleasure and comfort, we emphasize those dimensions and activities in which we are most capable and secure. Thus, despite the divine command to spread the word, many Christians redirect their energies into areas of spiritual activity that are more satisfying and in which they are more likely to achieve success. This is why in our church, we can, we can do a good program. I'm telling you, I'm good at an event. I can put on an event. Why? Because I'm good at it. You know what I'm not good at? Sharing the gospel. So what, what this researcher is saying, what I'm, what I'm not going to do is share the gospel. And that I think is true for us. We are far more comfortable in the church to avoid the spiritual things that we perceive to be unsuccessful for us. Right? This is why many people won't go overseas to do a mission trip. This is why many people won't be part of a small group. They don't want to be vulnerable and open. This is why many people, right, don't, don't want to participate in many activities of our church. Why? Because we perceive it to be something that we're going to be unsuccessful and therefore we're going to avoid it. That's the, the good American training that we've had. And Peter's saying, hey, listen, God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who you are. Therefore, your job, your purpose is life, in pur your purpose in life is to share the gospel. And I think the reason why we often are fearful about rejection and failure is because we have the wrong role. Here's what happens. You share the gospel and your, what you think your role is in the conversation is I have to do everything in my power to get that person to convert. I have to have the right words. I have to have the right theology. I have to have all the Bible memorization I can. I have to have 
uh, well, I have to be well-trained in apologetics. I have to be well-trained in evangelism. And if I say it just right, if I do it just right, if I can get the right illustration for them to understand, if I can explain to them, right, how God is still good while bad things are happening to good people, then they're going to believe. And that is the problem. We have the wrong role in sharing the gospel. We are not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to do the conversion. The Holy Spirit's job is to soften the hearts and minds of people to understand the words. Your job is to proclaim. Your job is to open your mouth and tell them the good things about who God is. Your job is not to change their hearts. Your job is not to try to change their minds. You are not the Holy Spirit. So guess what happens? Because we think that's our role, the enemy says, you're going to fail. You're going to be rejected. We have the wrong role. What does Peter say? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Not that you will soften their hearts and minds for them to receive and they will convert. No, to proclaim. You want to know your purpose in evangelism is? To proclaim. That's your job. Share the gospel. Even when you're fearful, even when you're anxious, even when you don't want to. Why? Because that's your purpose. That's your role. Your role isn't to get them saved. God doesn't need your help in doing that. He's already done that. Your job, one job, one purpose is to proclaim. That, in fact, is the job of the church. Not just us as individuals, but as the church. If you notice who Peter's talking to, he's talking to the church, and he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. You can't be, a, you can't be an individual people. You can't be an individual race. We, collectively, as the body of Christ, are proclaiming the excellency of who Christ is, not only among us, not only in the church, but also in the world. We're doing this together. You're not by yourself. So why won't we do it? Because of fear. We're fearful because we have the wrong role and the wrong expectations. We think we're going to save the person if we just get it right. And Peter is saying, no, you're just proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. So what is, what is proclaiming the excellencies of Christ? What does that actually mean? Well, it's the gospel, right? But it's also his characteristics. We see his characteristics just in these two verses. We see what? Look at the, ver the end of verse 9. Who called you out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. The excellencies of God is that God rescues you out of your darkness. God is our rescuer. 
You that were in prison in, in your sin, when you were a slave to sin, God came to rescue you. And when Peter's writing this, they're going to think of the images of the Exodus, right? That God sent Moses, Moses is a type of Christ, to rescue them out of their slavery. You and I have been rescued out of our slavery. And what we see is that God is our rescuer who captures us out of darkness and places us into light. We also see that God is our redeemer. That God paid a price to release you from your sin. We also see in this passage that God is our adopter. He, God adopts us into his family. And at the very end of verse 10, we also see that God is merciful. Think about that. When you're declaring the excellencies of God, you're declaring that God is merciful, that you deserved the punishment of our sin. You deserved hell. You deserve to be enslaved to your sin. And God in his mercy said, I am going to save you and rescue you. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to withhold the punishment of sin. So that we in this room can be a people who've received mercy, experienced mercy, and be merciful. That is the simple role that we have in declaring the gospel. That's all you have to do. Tell them how, God, how good God is. Tell them what God has done for you. Tell them how God has saved you. Tell them how you're struggling in your sin and God is still working in you. Tell them how the marriage is hard, but God has been faithful. Tell them how God has been faithful through the Bible. That's all you gotta do. Leave the results to him. When you and I leave the results to him, we're going to find that we're gonna be freed of the burden of the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. So, every single one of us knows someone who needs to hear the gospel. Every one of us knows someone who has not experienced who God is in their life in a salvific way. Let's take the opportunity to do so to show them. The best way to do it now, right? Thanksgiving. What better way to sucker people into a gospel presentation if not with good turkey and stuffing? What's the worst thing that could happen? They pass out and take a nap? I mean, this is a great opportunity over a meal. Like, people are hurting. People are desperate to hear hope. Especially the holiday seasons. When everybody's worked up about materialism, man, what a great opportunity for us to just tell our neighbor the real hope and joy that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Let's take a moment. We all know someone. Who's that person? And here's what I want you to ask. I don't want you to ask to God to save them. I want you to ask God, would you give me the boldness to share? And would you remind me of my role is to be a proclaimer? My job is not to save. My, my job is not to redeem. 
My job is not to get it perfect. My job is just to proclaim. So ask the Lord for boldness. This week, tomorrow, today, next week, the neighbor, the coworker, the boss. Ask for boldness. Now ask God to make this a discipline in your life, that you would do it frequently and often. That you just weren't motivated by a sermon, but that you were truly convicted of the words of Scripture and that you would live a life that looked like this. God, help us this morning. Help us to be a witness. God, put people in our, pl- in our path. Give us a, an overwhelming boldness to share the gospel. To share the goodness of your son Jesus and what he's done for us. God, help us to make this into a practice every day, every week, or as often as we can. We pray this in Christ's name. We all say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.